It is Thursday, it is February 9, and this is the Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio. A very good morning to you if you are just tuning in, and an early goal in the Premier League game this morning at Old Trafford, scored by Leeds, 1-0 up. They scored after one minute, uh, so they're in the 10th minute there at Old Trafford, but Leeds, how many times do you see the club in the Premier League sacks their manager, and all of a sudden they're Marginally better in that first game back. So early goal for for the Whites and uh, 1-0 against United there at Old Trafford. Now, a lot of people have texted in as well. We haven't mentioned this yet this morning. Uh, Peter Snowden gave us a tip yesterday. I was out and about, didn't see much of the races yesterday. Wallenby won. Of course, we didn't have a bean on it, though, did it? No, we didn't. But thank you to Peter. He's always been very good with his time, as are all trainers that come on our program, Mido. And to give us a tip like that, and we didn't take advantage of it, that's our bad. Our bad. Yep. No one else's It's on fault. us. That's on us. We're going to wear it. Great thank fields, you. though, for Saturday, aren't they? And uh, with uh, 12 accepting for the Apollo Stakes, NMO uh, yesterday was $1.85 for the Apollo. Uh, let me just check that now. Yeah, still $1.85 uh, heading the market. Uh, in secret is the favourite for the tab light fingers, although we had a key scratching there. Uh, Zugotcha, an elevated temperature. Uh, so came out of that market. So now in secret's $1.85. Oh, what a win that was in the Coolmore at Flemington down there in the carnival. So uh, looking forward to seeing her back in action in the CF4 down south. Uh, G. Jackano was very well backed yesterday. In fact, it was backed into favouritism uh, for the ore. Yeah, it's $3.40. In from $5 there yesterday uh, when the market opened, final field. And uh, I'm Thunderstruck, which was the favourite, when 360 to $4. That will be race seven at Sandown, by the way, uh, is the all this weekend. So some great racing. We've got Adam Pengilly coming up shortly. Uh, big day today, though, with the first test in Nagpur. Uh, Craig from Lake Macquarie's just written on the text line, Uh, Morning, lads. This India tour is fascinating. Whoever bats first has a huge advantage. Won't last past day three. I'm all for the home country having the advantage with home conditions, but deliberately creating a wicket that is different in certain parts is clearly pushing the limits of pitch doctoring. Although I guess when India controlled the game, there wouldn't be any serious sanctions coming their way if pitches fail to create an equal opportunity for each side. Here, here, Craig. I'm with you there. But uh, the Australian selection going to be fascinating when that 11 goes in, Clarkie, and... Reports have indicated that the family of Todd Murphy have made a late dash to Nagpur and the 22-year-old Victorian off-spinner who's played seven first-class games could be picked this afternoon. And that would mean, for the nostalgic amongst us, the first time we've chosen two specialist right-arm off-spinners since a test in Pakistan in 1988 uh, Tim May and Peter Taylor, and that's when Javed Meandab was coming out batting in I Love New York tourist mesh caps playing for his country. <laughs> that that he did. Uh, yeah. Sledging bowlers and making 250-odd, I Good think, player, as well. Good Meandab as oh. well. Um, oh, look, it'd be amazing for the young man to get an opportunity. That would be a dream come true, make your debut on a wicket that looks like it's going to turn. There's no doubt about it. But I'm unsure what they're thinking. Two right-arm offies, but you've also got Travis Head, who can mm-hmm. bowl some very handy part-time offies. So I, I, 
I don't know. I, I'm trying to think. Okay, there's rough outside the left-handers off stump for Ashwin or Jadeja to bowl to Australia's five left-handers. India's got five right-handers. So what are they thinking with an extra off spinner? To me, and again, I haven't seen the pitch, so I don't know, but facing spin bowling, I always preferred the ball spinning in rather than spinning away. I felt like you could cover yourself a bit more by batting, move over and bat on off stump. You can play every ball, certainly at the start of your innings, to the leg side, so you're hitting with the spin. You can run down the wicket and cover the line because you know it's not. if it goes straight on, you've got your back leg to protect you. It's not going to spin away, so you're only going to get beaten on the inside, not the outside. Uh, you can use your little paddle to get off strike. You can use a sweep shot. I don't. I would think. Is there still a restriction on how many? Poop? Only have you can only have two behind the leg side in yeah. fi- with a field. Three behinds are no ball. So even with that, I would have thought it's harder ball spinning away than spinning in. But that was that, that's only my personal view. But I would have thought the option would you would want if you've got Nathan Lyon that spins it into a right hander. If you went either Agar or Swepson that spins it away, and then you've got the option of Travis Head, another off-spinner, Manus Labuschagne, another leg spinner. Like, even that, that's probably why I'm thinking Ashton Agar, because you've got right arm offy, Nathan Lyon, left arm orthodox, mm. Ashton Agar, Manus Labuschagne, part-time leg spin, Steve Smith, part-time leg spin, uh, Travis Head, part-time off-spin. That's a lot of options. Variety. Mm. But I haven't seen this young kid bowl. He's only played seven mm. first-class games. I've heard you know, some, some great things about him. Uh, I think he's he's uh, watched Nathan Lyon and spent a bit, of Nathan, a bit of time with Nathan Lyon as well. So maybe he's that good and maybe he's ready and maybe that's what they're thinking. We're just going to go with our best two spinners. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But exciting for him if he gets a crack. And I love that his family's on a plane on the way over. That's um, That would be a dream come true for him. All right, he's uh, co-written this story in the City Morning Herald today under the headline, Players Threaten to Disrupt Trial Matches If Demands Aren't Met. Adam Pengilly from the Herald joins us now. Morning, Adam. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Just a quick hat tip to John O. Jared. Did he play some audio of Ricky Walford a little bit earlier then? Um, coming out of the, the news, out of the break. He, oh. he was my favourite player growing up, Ricky Walford. Yeah, the Panther. Yeah, he was quick, Good wasn't man. he? Was. Yeah, very quick. Very, very quick. What about when you had two of the speedsters of the game on the wings with him and Martin Offia? Yeah, I know. What year would that have been? 91, two? Early 90s, I think, Laws. You know better than me. Um, But I I used to love Ricky Walford. He was like, as a young kid growing up, I used to idolise him and loved loved his try scoring, loved how fast he was being a St. George fan growing up. So, yeah, well done to Jono. He's played the right audio today. <laughs> he started at the Roosters, though, Rick, didn't he? Before he, he did, yeah, yeah, he did. I'm pretty sure he did, Loz. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. still doing a bit of work. In, he's done a lot of work in the Indigenous sort of sector, I suppose. He does, once, he's, yep. once he's finished playing, he's, he's a good man. No, he's, he's a, a champion. Man. He's a champion. Uh, okay, where's this all going to land in regards to this story you've uh, co-written and uh, the RLPA uh, essentially threatening, well, it's not strike action, but certainly some action. Oh, it's an escalation, Jared, isn't it, really, if, if it gets to that point. So, yeah, we wrote a story for the Herald Online yesterday that they've sort of um, made a request that three key conditions of the CBA be met by a close of business today. Otherwise, they're going to start demonstrating some action in these trial games over the course of the weekend. Two of those relate to the, the women's game. They want, obviously, the, the clarity around the women's game in terms of the salary cap and all the financial aspects of that, as well as some non-financial conditions of the CBA. Uh, I think... 
from all reports, both parties are pretty close to coming to agreement on, on some of the stuff around the, the women's game. And that obviously needs to be absolute priority, given that you know, no clubs have been able to sign a women's player yet. We've got a season on later this, season, later this year. So that, that's a huge issue. The third part for me is a really interesting one because the RLPA want autonomy over their own finances and want to determine how they spend their own money that's funded to them by the NRL. Now, I think the NRL's in for a fight on this one. I think they want to determine how that money is sort of broken up and what pathways and programs and everything like that it's going to be spent on. So the RLPA and the players... How much money are they asking for, Adam, do you know? Uh, well, it's, about, it's roughly about $90 million over five years, uh, and that's for all their player-related programs like you know injury hardship, medical retirement, well-being, all that sort of stuff. So it's a significant amount of money. It's probably a bit less than $20 million a year over the next five years. Um, the NRL sort of say, well, hey... If we've got that money, we want to have a say on where it's going where to be it's spent. When it's, yeah. yeah, when it's going to hand over that money to you and expect you to, to spend it wherever you want to spend it because you could change your mind and put it into this or put it into that. So they're definitely butting heads on this issue. But what the players have discussed, and I'm led to believe this was discussed at their meeting last Friday, infamous meeting <laughs> a, a forum or conference I had last Friday, well, if we don't get agreement on these certain issues by close of business on Thursday, we're going to start delaying kickoff games, uh, kickoff in these trial games over the course of the weekend. We're going to be covering up the NRL logos. Um, there's a whole raft of things that they've discussed. So um, whether we get to that point tonight, because we've got the first trial game tonight, yeah. don't we? But what's the difference if they delay it for half an hour or an hour? Oh, I don't know, Loz. It probably just mucks up the broadcast schedule or something yeah, like but, that. I, I suppose but you're, you're, not, you're not you're not peeing off. Well, you are peeing off the NRL, but you're peeing off the broadcasters, uh, broadcasters and the fans more so. Yeah. What, are, yeah. what else can they do? At it? What else can the like the to me because I've been in this situation. Mm. Whatever the players do, they're going to get smacked. They're going to get. They can't win this battle. Mm. From now, a PR point of view. From a PR point of view. Now the fans are what makes you know the NRL the NRL. Yes, you need mm. the players. Don't get me wrong, and, and I understand what they're fighting for. But what else could they do in this situation to, apart from the whole strike or start the game, like that's what the fans don't want. That's where you're mm. not going to win. But what other options do they have? It's a very good question, Clarky, because I don't know the answer to that if I'm being perfectly honest. Like you do, do you, I suppose the next escalation or next action is, is getting close. To, it's getting closer and closer to, to strike. The, stri- the strike is just an absolute... De- like I remember our conversations with the cricket side and mm. when we were even saying that out loud, that was coming out of our mouths, I was like, uh-uh. The, 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 there has to be another... Mm. You cannot strike. You rule, no. you can, you, you, the potential to ruin the sport forever. Like, yeah. it's not just about, so right now you're fighting for, for you and your teammates with the vision of, you know, a better future, but you forget what's come before you as well. Mm. Yeah, you know about, what I mean? The other thing about striking, though, is that you don't get paid. Mate. And if you've got big mortgages that have yeah. to be yeah. fulfilled. <laughs> you, you, trouble. You, you, no you, one you wins with a strike, a though, No, no one wins. No one wins. But, uh, again, I, I understand the players pushing because that's what a – Players Association does. Yep. You know, you've got to have a strong association. You've got to be united. Yeah. And you've got to present as one, and you're after the best rights you possibly can get. Um, but I also know that you can only get so much of the pie. Yeah. And, and I just don't know where it's all going to end because, like, if they delay the game for half an hour, yeah, yeah we'll piece people off. But does, what does it really do? Mm. What does mm. it really do? And this text here says it all. I mean, uh, please, no disruption this weekend. We in Maruya 
uh, having the first NRL game at you know, Aquaman Oval in decades, the town is buzzing. Regards China Plate. I mean, yeah, imagine yeah, going to Maruya. My yeah, God. Yeah. And I'm and, all and, for the players. I want the players to do yeah. well out of the game, yeah. and I want them to get the best possible deal they can get done. What else? That, but that's but that's my question. What, what, do what do? else can they what do? What do they do? What else is there for them to do to, um, you know, to show how important this is for them? Now, now, Loz, I was only thinking about this yesterday, and I'm pretty sure you went through something similar with the last, last CBA, didn't you? Because you were coaching the Origin team when it all when it all kicked off last time, and weren't they wearing? Oh, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but I'm pretty sure weren't they wearing the green tape, and then they put on all those hats at a hats, press conference? That's exactly and, right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's it's not we're not in completely unfamiliar territory here uh, with players obviously showing their displeasure and I suppose frustration with the NRL, but. I suppose the issue with can, this can one I, is... Yeah, sorry. No, go, go, Adam. I was going to say, Lots, we're, we're so far past yeah. the last expiry of the last CBA. Like we're, we're, we're four or five months or three or four months at least past the last expiry, and we're right on the doorstep yeah. for the next season, which is a bit yeah. unprecedented. But, yeah, I don't know. You, know, you know. you might be able to tell me, Adam, players are united, but before the salary cap was bumped up to what it is now, mm. the clubs and the players were together. Mm. Where do the clubs stand now that they've got their salary cap issues sorted? Are they yeah. supporting the players or are they more on the NRL side now going, come on, players, just just play? You've got your, yeah, so, you've got your increase? Where, where are so, they standing on it all? Certainly before Christmas and sort of late last year, I think there was definitely a united front between the clubs and the players. I don't think there was any doubt about that. But obviously the NRL sorted out the club funding arrangements primarily with the clubs in, in the first instance. I think right now... I think a lot of the clubs still support the players. I dare say the majority of clubs still support the players. But I think it would be fair to say there's probably a couple or at least a few saying, come on, guys, let's just get this sorted. We need to move on now. Um, I I think both of these parties were very much united in the first instance. But, of course, there's going to be some clubs that are going to break away a little bit and say, come on, guys, we've just got to get this done. Let's move on with this. So... Yeah, it's fascinating. The one thing is, though, is that they haven't announced the club funding arrangements yet. And the clubs have said, we're not going to announce anything until the players got their stuff done. So that's a pretty good indication that the majority of the clubs are still aligned with the players. But I just hope we can get this sorted. I just I really do, because it's just gone on for way too long, hasn't it? Certainly has. Let's talk some racing and uh, the Piero Plate on Saturday. Race one on the card. And Peter and Paul Snowden have their two, well, I guess, top seeds now for the Golden Slipper. Entered, but uh, James McDonald set to ride Don Corleone, not King's Gambit, and uh, no jockey yet for King's Gambit. Yeah, I'd imagine King's Gambit's going towards another race potentially, Jared, maybe a silver slipper or something like that. But I, I did look at that when the entries were finalised yesterday and sort of piqued my interest straight away. I thought, oh, geez, J-Mac's not riding King's Gambit here, but there's still no jockey declared for, for it. So I imagine it's probably heading towards another race. I, I don't know what Peter, I didn't, I missed that interview Peter had with you guys yesterday, but obviously their two-year-old stocks are absolutely flying at the moment. I, I thought Don Corleone was very, very vulnerable there first up going into the race, but he was, he was outstanding to win over a 1,000 metres in the fashion he did. He looks a legitimate top-tier golden slipper prospect. Now, he's got to do it again, hopefully, you see him there on the weekend, 1,100 metres. And you think only getting out in trips is going to make him just, I suppose, even more lethal. So, yeah, can't wait to see him on the weekend. I think we're going to get a massive, massive indication about how this golden slipper picture is going to, going to work out after the weekend with these two races, the Piero Plate and the English Millennium. So we've got a lot, a lot of really nice two-year-olds heading towards those races. So... I'm expecting Don Corleone to stamp himself as a major player for the slipper, and then I imagine we'll see Kings Gambit in a week or two heading towards another race. Why has Zoo Gotcha been scratched from the Light Fingers? Yeah, had a little bit of a setback, Loz. So she's been taken out of the Light Fingers there on the weekend. We saved for the surround stakes in a couple of weeks' time, which is no big deal, I suppose, for the Chris Wallace stable. That's a Group 1 race. She's probably just missed her first up run, but they'll try and put a bit more work into her, I'd imagine, in the next week or so to get her up to the mark. So. 
just remind a little step back and just talking about this light finger stakes. Like, what a great race is going to be on the weekend. It is a deep, deep card there at Randwick. We get to see in secret. Back at the races, the first time we've seen her since the Coolmore Stud Stakes, so that's going to be exciting to see her. Fireburn, the Gold Cup winner, trying to recapture some of that form from her, from her two-year-old year. Even a horse like Madame Pomery saw graduate to win a Group 1 last preparation, so it is going to be a fantastic race, and uh, obviously with Sunshine in Paris there too, the up-and-coming for Annabelle Neesham's yard. So on a day we've got fantastic racing all throughout the card, and the light finger stakes is um, clearly right up there as potentially one of the races of the day. We saw this ex-Hong Kong galloper randomly sort of appear in the Everest <laughs> and then it went down to Flemington, won impressively uh, in the carnival down there and had trialled up really well. Joyful fortunes, the horse we're talking about. Now, after its decent trials, what's what's doing with the horse? Yeah, I was so keen to see in this preparation, Jerry, to see what he could do and progress to, to make that step to Group 2 and a Group 1 sprinter. But unfortunately, Mark Newnham's let Stewart's know he's going to be out for the entire Autumn Carnival. He's sustained a knee injury. So he's been taken out of all the betting markets. And it's really sad news for Mark because I think this horse had something to offer. And you're right, Jerry, he came from absolutely left field for the Everest last year, didn't you? Like, no one was expecting that to happen. And obviously, they picked him up after winning. It was a benchmark 70 down there at Flemings, I think, before yep. the Everest. So... Um, yeah, I was very keen to see if he make that progression, but unfortunately, he's going to miss the rest of the Autumn Carnival and have to wait for the spring to hopefully see him back in action. Thanks so much, Adam. Have a good day. See you, boys. We'll chat tomorrow. Still to come this morning on the Big Sports Breakfast, uh, we've got Nick Dasty, the PGA of Australia Tournaments Director Australasia, to talk about a couple of tournaments coming up in Sydney in the Hunter Valley. Uh, Brad Davidson get his uh, mail and news for today, and we're going to speak to Josh Reynolds from the Bulldogs as well, set to partner Kyle Flanagan in the house. That match at Maria uh, this weekend between the Raiders and the Bulldogs in the preseason challenge. Leeds United leading Manchester United 1-0 over in the Premier League this morning. 38 minutes gone at Old Trafford. So potentially an upset on the cards. Tonight, preseason challenge. First game, Warriors and the West Tigers. And Tab has markets open on all nine. Of the preseason challenge games this weekend, the Warriors are dollar fifty-eight. The Tigers are two dollars forty, and the line is four and a half. Warriors the minus playing at Mount Smart uh, later tonight, and the first test today, Australia and India in Nagpur. India a dollar sixty-eight, Australia three dollars forty, and the draw is five dollars fifty. All right, Clark, you on the spot? High bat for Australia, Steve Smith. Three dollars sixty, Labashane four twenty, Warner five dollars, Kawaja six, Head seven. Uh, Renshaw, we don't know if he'll play eight dollars, but if you have a bet on him, you'll get a refund if he doesn't play. Uh, Hanscom twelve in that market. No. Carey thirteen dollars. No, no, it's got to be Smith. Gee, he it's was good in twenty seventeen. I think he scored three centuries in that. I series. got one for you. It's either Smith or Pat Cummins. Leading run scorer. Okay, because what will be five for not many and Pat Cummins well, will have to save us down the bottom of the order. Because I was looking at Carey thinking exactly that. No, nah, left hand, I don't like him. Okay, right. Stick to the right. Steve righties. Smith or Pat Cummins? Marnus Labashane's going to get out sweeping court 45 <laughs> or straight up to the keeper off the glove. One's going to bounce a bit. I'm saying Steve Smith is Steve Smith is uh, is the favourite for a reason. Here's a romantic bet for you, provided he gets picked. Todd Murphy, player of the match, match $19. Mm, save your money. Provided he's picked, of course. I've got one for you. He's, what's, what's Ashton Agar for player of the match? He if he is, gets picked? 
There you go. Eighteen dollars. There you go. Yeah. Look, different bowling in Australia. I just don't think different bowling in Australia. Before it even comes out of your mouth, Ashton Agar's first class record. Take no notice of it for where he's about to bowl. Bowling in India, it's mate. I got six wickets for nine <laughs> runs. Like, give me a break. You're a very handy bowler. I am horrendous. Ashton Agar is a thousand times a better bowler than I ever was. Not convinced that's the case. Thousand and I'm not even times, joking. mate. Well, Stephen O'Keefe got how many wickets did he get in his Test match? Twelve for seventy. Okay, there's my point. Ashton Agar, I think, is a better bowler than Stephen O'Keefe. Ashton Agar is ten times the bowler I am or was. Mate, if I can get six I, for nine, I'm I don't telling know you. If that's Left arm orthodox, oh. underrated. If there's a lot of right-handed batters over there, I, I'm. Well, I take your advice on everything, cricket. But he, he would play most of his games in Perth, wouldn't he? Majority, yeah. half, so so half, yeah. his record, you would, could understand it being the way it is in first class. Yeah, it's very cricket, different because in Australia. The, the the pitches over there will be completely different to what he's going to face. Yeah or what he's going to bowl on over there in India. So if he's ever going to get wickets, yes. and if they're ever going to pick him, yes. this yes. is the test series yes. to use him. Otherwise, yes. you know what? Don't ever pick Aston nope. Agar again Agree. in a touring side. Yep. Agree. If he's not playing this series, he's never playing for Australia. <laughs> never playing for Australia again. That's the way I look at it. Mm. He uh, could be player of the match in this test match if he gets a game. There you go. So what do we do? So we, we, we're just going to play four specialist bowlers, aren't we? We're going to have to do two quicks, two spinners. Two quicks, two spinners. You're not picking three spinners, are no, we? No, I'm not. No. I, I'm picking Nathan Lyon and Ashton Eager. And then I'm using Travis Head, Marnus Labuschagne, and Smitty won't have to bowl. There's, mm. there's, my, there's my four spin options. And then I'm using Cummins and... Boland. Bowling yeah. and bowling will be very handy because stump the stump can bowl a lot of overs from one end. Cummins can bowl brand new ball. Cummins can bowl if they want to try some short pitch stuff. Cummins can bowl reverse swing, but then my spin. The other thing about Agar is stump the stump, so he's accurate. He can build pressure from one end to help Nathan Lyon. I think it, I wish we had Cameron Green because then I'm going Cameron Green at six, two quicks, two spinners. There's my there's my bowlers. There's plenty of bowling. Gee, this toss. Is there India will go the important? other way. India will go Jadeja at seven. They'll go five bowlers. Yeah. Three quicks, two spinners. Yeah, Jadeja's a luxury but, for them, but isn't But Jadeja's it? batting. He's got, mm, I think he's got player. two first-class triple hundreds. You know, if, if Room was playing, though, yep. would you think about three spinners? No. No, you wouldn't. No, I don't think you need it, it because you've got Travis Head and mm. Labuschagne. That's so much spin bowling. Mm. Like, that's my only concern. If you go the extra right arm off here, when's he bowling instead of Nathan Lyon? Like, Nathan Lyon generally bowls 30 to 40 overs to take his five, six-wicket hauls. Mm. So the only time he's bowling is when Nathan Lyon's tired. Or you're going off-spin from both ends. I, I just... I, I t- but I haven't seen the pitch. So, again, there's enough experience in this Australian team that if yeah. they think that's the right way, then I'll back that. Because they've got enough players that have played in those conditions before. Random Virat Kohli stat. Mm. Seven test centuries against Australia. Six of them in Australia, only one in India. There you go. Didn't know that. Mm. Yeah, because and again, loves the ball coming onto the bat. Well, I'll say this as well. I think Virat, Virat hasn't got a weakness, but I think he's, I think starting against spin bowling, he's more vulnerable. 
than batting in Australia starting against the quicks. The quicks, he can get out nicking the ball. So you take it wide of off stump, moving it away. He's vulnerable there to play because he likes bat on ball. So he can play a drive and he can get a catch. I think spin it makes him play every single ball. Brinsing, bowl him through the gate if it's spinning back in. Bat pad leg side. If it's going away, nick to slip. Like I think spin early to Virat is a great option. The other player that's just killed us, Chiteshwar Pajara. The just war. got to get him out, Clark. He's get, like, he can yeah. just bat for six well, months. But the only thing, again, in conditions like this, if the wicket's going to be what I think it's going to be like, if you sit there and block and block and block, you're going to get one with your name on it. One's going to bounce. One's going to shoot along the ground. So the way I would be trying to bat in these conditions is positive. Use my feet. Uh, use the sweep. Uh, once I get into my innings. Strike rotation so important. Don't have to be hitting boundaries, but you need to be getting off strike. Put pressure on the bowler. Make the bowler feel like if he misses his mark by an inch, you're onto it. You're either all the way down the wicket or all the way back. Because if you sit there and just go, no, I'm just going to get into my innings, block, 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 you'll get caught bat pad, caught slip. One will shoot through, you get bowled. I think you've got to be extremely proactive if the wicket is going to be what I think it's going to be. Time to talk some golf, and we've got a couple of uh, well unique events coming up. The TPS Sydney, which is next weekend, Feb 16 to 19, uh, I believe it's there at Bonnie Doon in Sydney. And the following week is TPS Hunter Valley at Cypress Lakes. And joining us now is the PGA of Australia Tournaments Director Australasia, Nick Dasty. Nick, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm well, thank you, Jared. Thanks for having me on. No, good to have you on. And so the TPS Sydney first up. So tell us about the unique format of this tournament. And it's a Bonnie Doon, is that correct? Yeah, Bonnie Doon for our third year now. Um so the TPS, uh, WebEx Player Series, is all about uh, male and females uh, competing against each other on the on the uh, same course for the same prize money and um, uh, same trophy. So um, the course is scaled, set up so that the um, it, it plays evenly for, for both the males and the females. But uh, yeah, they're competing for the one trophy. And, and what players of note, I guess, to keep an eye out on for the TPS Sydney? Yeah, look, we've got, um, well, without going into out-and-out details of individuals, we've got about 15 recent tournament winners on the PGA Tour of Australasia side, so that have won tournaments over the last couple of years on our tour. Probably two that um, are at the top of our order of merit at the moment are David Michaluzzi and and Andrew Martin, and they're fighting it out for the all-important DP World Tour cards that you get through our our tour for winning uh, the Order of Merit. And um, and on the women's side, on the WPGA side, uh, the last two tournament winners of the WebEx Player Series uh, in Victoria and Murray uh, Murray River, um, we have Sarah Jane Smith, who's, you know, got a, had a 15-year sort of career on the LPGA Tour, uh, and Min Ayun, who won down in Rosebud a couple of weeks ago, uh, along with uh, Sydney's own Grace Kim before she heads off to the LPGA Tour. Nick, how's the summer of golf been so far? And it just seems like it just continues to grow and grow. Yeah, it's been great. Um, you know, we've we've really bounced back over the last sort of 12 months. Uh, we had a, a great finish to the year with our major events being back with the Australian Open and Australian PGA Championship and, and having the DP World Tour involved in, in those events. Uh, we've been adding new tournaments to the to the schedule and, and that'll continue over the next 12 to 18 months and um, just trying to keep providing as many opportunities for our, our young players and 
and mainly the pathways to uh, the bigger international tours as well. So it's uh, it's been a really solid summer so far. We've got we're down at the Vic Open now, which has just teed off, and uh, we've got seven more events left on on this schedule. Yeah, Nick, I was going to ask in regards to the Victorian Open, what can we expect over the next few days? Any players we should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, look, it's. Um, I, I can just say that the conditions down here are outstanding at the moment, so I think you can expect some pretty good golf uh, over the next four days and broadcast on, on Fox and KO, so um, people can tune into that. They'll see some see some great golf. But um, the quality of the field is, yeah, is, is outstanding. I mean, we've got Carrie Webb uh, making a, another appearance down here, which it's always great to have our arguably greatest golfer um, playing in, in one of these events. Um, you know, like I said before, multiple recent winners. And, um, yeah, we're, we're just really excited about a, a, a big four days because the weather looks fantastic and I think the, the scoring will um, be extremely low. Nick, I, I asked you before about, you know, it seems like golf is growing and, and growing. Has there been growth in the game since COVID? It's always been very popular golf at all levels. But just through COVID, given the fact that, you know, one of the things you were allowed to do was go and play golf. Have you seen growth off the back of that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't don't think golf's been in a better position since probably through the sort of late 80s and, and 90s. And, um, yeah, th- there's been a lot of growth at, at club level. Um, there's been a lot of growth in things like, you know, simulator golf, mini golf, driving ranges. Um, so... I think there's a lot more people getting a golf club in their hand, which is which is fantastic. Um, and you know, I think we're seeing that correlate into people uh, being involved with our with our tournaments as well, and watching our tournaments and uh, just general coverage. Um, so yeah, we're really really excited about where where golf's at at the moment. And just at the end of the month, you've got TPS Hunter Valley at the beautiful Cypress Lakes course uh, there as well. And I'm guessing similar format to next week and. Uh, also, what sort of prize money are they playing for at those tournaments? Yeah, same, same format. The one thing I didn't mention before and what's really unique about the WebEx Player Series is the, the young juniors that get to, to join on the weekend and play their own 36-hole event but play alongside the, uh, the professionals. So we have that both at Sydney and at, uh, at Hunter Valley. So they're all the sort of elite juniors that are coming through the system and get to play alongside the pros and in front of uh, the TV cameras. So it's a, a great learning curve for them. Um, $250,000 prize money for, for each event. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to getting up to the Hunter as well. Great, uh, a great place. Uh, we just got a question from the critic on the text line here. TPS, do the men and women play off the same tees? Asked the critic. No, they don't. They uh, they play off scale tees, so yep. we we uh, put a lot of work into making sure we we understand how the course plays. Uh, you know, look at a lot of average lengths from how the men and the women uh, hit the ball, and set up the course accordingly. Uh, the main thing that we're trying to achieve is when the say the average man hits a drive to a position, the average female then hits the drive to a position, and ideally we want them going in with the same club. So the average male's going in with, say, a pitching wedge into the par four. We want the female player to be going in with a pitching wedge into that par four as well. Great stuff. Plenty of great tournaments coming up, Nick. Appreciate your time this morning and chat soon.
No worries. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. We've got Brad Davidson coming up shortly. Final fields declared for Saturday. What a great day's racing in prospect there at Royal Randwick as well. The Inglis Millennium, the Tab Light Fingers, and of course the Apollo Stakes, of which 12 have accepted there for the Apollo on Saturday, including the Cox Plate winner, Enemo. Uh, looking forward to seeing him back at the track and all going well this preparation. Potentially a trip to Royal Ascot Beckons. Uh, for the James Cummings and Godolphin Galloper. Uh, but uh, it is race eight on the card there at Randwick on Sunday to jump at 20 to 5. The Tab Apollo Stakes, NMO at $1.85. Mwanga at $8. El Bodegon and Fangirl from the Wallace Stable, both at $9. Hinged also from the Wallace Stable at $12. Ice Bath, 14 Law- Laws of Indices, 17 And then 34 and longer the rest. Brad Davidson, a very good morning to you. Morning, guys. How are we all? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. Now, the tab light fingers, and uh, unfortunately, we lost a good one, and in secret, accordingly, odds on now, $1.85. Zoo gotcha out. Yeah, out of the uh, light fingers there on Saturday, which is a shame, guys, because, um, I mean, the race is still shaping up to be a cracker there on Saturday, but uh, would have been a, a really good match between her and in secret in particular. Um, we saw them clash a few times last preparation, and Zoo gotcha showed she was right there and had been trekking up beautifully but unfortunately an elevated temperature there means that she's out of that race so Chris Waller still looking to target the surround states in a few weeks providing uh, she comes through that okay never ideal guys having a, a set back into into a group one race and um yeah Chris I'm sure he'll be in a race against time to get her cherry rough for that race but uh, as you said in circuit now dollar eighty five be interesting to see what the market does with her guys because you know we, we saw her Dominant win down at the straight there uh, in the Coolmore last uh, spring. I suppose the, the little query I've got with her this preparation is in both her trials, she's missed the start. So um, I'd say she's odds on to miss the start again here and get into a bit of a tricky spot. So no doubt she looks the, the best horse in the race, but um, just a, a little bit of barrier man is some little concern there within Secret on the weekend. Oh, I know you haven't done all your form uh, for the weekend yet, Davo, but the Apollo Stakes, how do you see this race unfolding at this stage? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Loz. It looks like, and we do find this with a lot of these sort of early season races at um, at this level, um, there doesn't seem to be much speed in the race at all, to be honest. And I'll be shocked if they don't roll forward with Animo. I don't think they can give away that, that speed, considering on paper the, the lead simply up for grabs. I mean, a horse like Hinge, we know she can go forward in the past, but there doesn't seem to be too many horses that are going to be up there rolling along and, and making a strong tempo. So, you know, that's the positive about Animo is he's pretty adaptable. We saw that he settled close in a, in a recent trial and um, I think from the wider draw, uh, James McDonald will sum it up pretty early and probably put him in the first few and, and that's definitely going to help his chances. A horse like Fangel, she's going to have to um, sort of posse up there from the better draw and use that this time. I mean, first up last preparation, she got a long way back and he's beaten sort of a length and three quarters by Animo, but um, if she's able to settle a bit closer, I think that'll be the key, as is generally with the stable to settle a bit closer from good draws and, and go back from wide draws. So um, not sure. We'll wait and see if there's a few change of tactics, but it does look a slow speed there in the Apollo on the weekend. Uh, Dino just asked, fellas, could you ask Brad what the track rating might be on Saturday? I see it's a soft five as of this morning after just over an inch of rain, 27 and a half mils yesterday, Davo, but I haven't checked the forecast. I think, no, we've got blazing sunshine on Saturday. Yeah, I think good four guys. Um, obviously, they didn't expect that much rain. Welcome to 
Sydney weather, Lotto, but um, at the same time, uh, I think it's probably just what the track wants, to be honest. Uh, you know, we've had a, a pretty good summer. Heat, Randwick dries very quickly. There's some winds around as well, and I expect that track to be a good four on, on Saturday. No issue there whatsoever if you're, if you're backing horses that like firm ground. To these Blue Diamond Preludes and Crackers down south as well. You've got uh, Barber, uh, the favourite for the Colts and Geldings, and uh, Charm Stone. Looking forward to seeing her back at the races. Have you got a Golden Slipper ticket, Loz? I've got you might. Blue Diamond, Golden Slipper. Oh, the whole box and the dice. The whole box and dice, mate. Okay. Charm Stone. There you go. What do you reckon, Davo? Yeah, well, the, the Sable are talking her up, aren't they? They're definitely suggesting that... Um, um, a really nice prospect and like the way they're talking about Charmstone, that's for sure. One thing I, I find with these Blue Diamond markets is I'm sort of sitting back and, and waiting to hear what's going to go from from um, you know sitting down there for those races because at this stage, the, the Sydney two-year-old form, in my opinion, is, is much, much stronger than the Melbourne. The Melbourne lead-up races, they just haven't been running that much time and we haven't had a chance to see Charmstone and, and see what that horse can do yet, but the recent lead-ups, um, the time has left a fair bit to be desired. So I think the Sydney horses might dominate um, and we'll get to see a few of those in Sydney this weekend before you know, potentially deciding what they're going to do, whether they go to a Blue Diamond or whether they hold back for a slipper. Thank you, Dave. Have a great day. No worries, guys. Look forward to dissecting a few of those big races tomorrow and um, yeah, giving a few tips for uh, Saturday.